There's a couple of things that I want us to do before we go further in the word this evening. And uh, man, I'm so thankful to the Lord. I've uh, been getting a very specific direction. Very specific. Just boom, 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 boom. Every, last night and then again tonight. And um, I just know that great and good things are happening. And the Lord's preparing us for even greater. Uh, I want us to pray about a couple of things. You know, we prayed last night the Ephesians prayer. Anybody in faith about yes, uh, the eyes of our understanding yes, being enlightened? There's revelation concerning what we have, the inheritance in the saints, the hope of the call, the exceeding greatness of his power, and that name that's above every name. Do we need to know more about this? Are we believing for that in this week? For it to flourish and then continue past the week. And I want us to pray another of the prayers. Colossians 1, just put that up if you would, Colossians 1 and 9 on the screen. Colossians 1, 9. He said, uh, this cause also since the day we heard of it, we do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with all the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I want you to notice that phrase. Say it out loud, spiritual. Understanding. understanding. There's a great ignorance of spiritual things. You know, he said to the saints at Corinth, and he didn't want them ignorant of spiritual things. And it's because there's a great ignorance. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Keep going. Strengthened with all might. According to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Hallelujah. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet or fit or able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Keep going. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Amen. Glory to God. Now this runs parallel with what we prayed in Ephesians. Can you see a revelation of what what the master has done? What we have in Christ? Can you see that? He's not praying that God would do something for us. He's praying that we'd find out what he has done for us in Christ. Put those scriptures back up. Colossians 1.9. Let me pray it out loud and you pray it with me. Say it out loud. Father, I pray. I'm asking you, in the name of Jesus, to fill me with the knowledge of your will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Say it out loud, Lord, we're asking you to make us fruitful in every good work, increasing us. In the knowledge of you, our great God, strengthening us with all might, your mighty power, according to your glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, which is our strength. 
And we give you thanks. thanks. Oh, great Father. Father. You have made us able able to partake partake of the inheritance of the the saints in light. light. And you have have delivered us us from all the power power of darkness darkness. and translated us into the kingdom of your dear son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Said out loud, Father, cause us to see this, understand this, know this, stronger, better, clearer than we ever have before. In Jesus' name. And we will walk in the light thereof. Hallelujah. Go to Hebrews. We got places to go. Things to do. Amen. Miracles to receive. Y'all with me? I mean that literally. We looked in this scripture in Hebrews the 10th chapter. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, so drawing back is the opposite of living by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now, uh, we don't want the Lord to not have pleasure in us and what we're doing. And we know without faith it's impossible to please him, so we must Not just have faith stickers and make a couple of faith confessions or put faith on the front of our church. We must live by faith morning, noon, and night if the Lord's going to be pleased. And if we're going to receive his plan and purposes and provision for our life, it's no other way but by faith. And verse 39, I like this, don't you? But we are not of them who draw back. Under perdition or destruction, but unto them that believe to the saving of the soul. Somebody said out loud, We are not of those who draw back, but I am a believer. I live by faith, I walk by faith, I don't back down. <laughs> draw back, back off, quit. Give up. Now, this is the 10th chapter of Hebrews. Prior to this was nine other chapters. Am I right? Yes. And it built to this. And what he kept saying was, watch out for this. Caution about this. Don't do this. And he keeps saying, he's saying it here. Don't draw back. Keep moving forward in faith. In the fourth chapter, we noticed it. Look at it again. Chapter 4, verse 1, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. What's he cautioning us about? This is New Testament. What's he cautioning believers about? That even though something is available, it's possible for you not to receive it and not to enjoy it. Even though something belongs to you, 
It's possible to not experience it. Not live in it. Verse 2. For unto us was the gospel, the good news preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, he's talking about that first generation of Israelites that were delivered out of Egyptian bondage and told that they had been given the promised land, but they did not enter into it. That whole generation with the exception of Caleb and Joshua, perished out in the wilderness, even though the scriptures here say that it was prepared for them, Canaan's land, prepared for them from the foundation of the world. It was supposed to be. And yet it did not. What was their gospel? What was their good news? It started out with, I've heard your prayers. And I've sent you deliverance. And Moses and Aaron showed up. And I mean miracle after miracle after miracle. You talk about something looking impossible. The strongest nation on the planet said no way, no how, not now, never. And God brought that thing to its knees. Didn't he? Through a series of the most spectacular miracles that have ever been on the planet to this day. Until it got to the point where they pled with them to leave and gave them all their stuff. Right? Didn't he? It happened. But that was not all of the good news. The other part was, I've got you a place. I have spied out a land for you. It is a good land. It's called the land that flows with milk and honey. It's got precious minerals and gems under it. It's got rich soil on top. I water it myself. I watch after it. And that was their good news. Right? And yet, they did not mix faith with that good news. In the third chapter, if you back up in there, chapter 3, verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works forty years. I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. Chief among his ways is faith. Right? And I swear they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. He's writing to believers, isn't he? Is he cautioning us, don't let what happened to them happen to you. Don't do what they did and let that happen to you. And down in verse uh, 19, He sums it up. He says, so we see they could not enter in. Why? They thought it was the giants that kept them out. They thought it was the walled city, the giant walls. They thought it was their smallness, their inability. It was the enemy's bigness, but it was not. What kept them out? Unbelief. Evil unbelief. We looked last night and saw that there are two, at least, two causes 
for unbelief. We saw Paul said in Timothy, he said, I obtained mercy because I did what I did ignorantly in unbelief. But then here we see that this is not a matter that they didn't know. They hardened their heart after hearing the good news message and were unpersuadable. This is evil. It's not just ignorant. It is a refusal to believe. Not just I don't believe because I hadn't heard it yet. It's I heard it. It's clear. It's there. But I don't believe it. And you can't make me believe it. This is evil. And this unchecked can ruin your life. It can keep you even though the price has been paid. Even though healing's been bought. Prosperity's been bought. Fullness of the Spirit's been given. Protection's been given. Authority in the name of Jesus has been given. You can still live broke, sick, right? right. Devastated, defeated. And people think, well, it's because I don't have a good job. It's because nobody will help me. It's because I don't have a good education. It's because I'm, uh, I'm a man or I'm a woman or I'm of this age or I'm a... No, no. What's keeping everybody out of the land that flows with milk and honey? <laughs> That's it. It's too simple for some people. They don't want that to be the answer. But how many believe the Bible? But I want to go back to our original text. Said out loud. We are not. Of those that draw back. We are those. Who believe. To full salvation. Hallelujah. That's us. That's us. We're not going to make excuses. We're going to believe God. Go back to Numbers where we looked last night and let's continue on. Numbers 13, we saw how this unfolded. Please don't think, man, I've heard those stories before. No, these things are written for our admonition. They're examples for us. Do we just get through reading in the book of Hebrews, which is in the New Testament, correct? That he's saying, don't do what they did. Don't let this happen to you. So, how many think we ought to look back and see how it happened to them? I know, uh, Phyllis, I watch airplane disaster documentaries carefully. And then I want to tell Phyllis about it. And she's like, I don't know that I want to hear that. They crashed, right? Burn it, yeah, yeah. Why would you do that? Would anybody imagine why I do that? We fly. Did anybody imagine? If I hear that somebody crashed and burned, you know what? I, one of the first things I think. One of the first. How do I not do what they did? Right? I want to know. And I want to be real clear on it. And uh, how many think that's a good idea? You know there's something better than learning from your mistakes? Learn it from somebody else's mistake. <laughs> right? It's better. Isn't that exactly what the New Testament is telling us? Yes. Learn from their failures and don't repeat it. Learn from how they messed up and don't do it. So let's learn. Numbers 13. We read how that in verse 25, they returned from the searching of the land. Forty days. 
And they came to Moses and Aaron. And they brought back word. And verse 27, they said, We came to the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Isn't that exactly what the Lord told them? Isn't that exactly what he told them? And verse 28, we got hung up on this one. Because this is where they got hung up. Nevertheless, but. What do you mean, but? Yeah, it's a good land. Well, yeah, I'm, what, okay, it's got big fruit, yeah. But, I mean, what does that mean? If there are giants parked on it, and if there's no way, no how, we're ever getting in there, who cares about the big fruit? It's not our fruit. I want you to begin to see, so I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. We know this is unbelief. But another word that you'll see in just a few moments is rebellion. Rebellion. That's why the Bible called it evil. An evil heart of unbelief. And they are despising the gospel. What do you mean? Their good news was, I have found you a land. It's an amazing, good land that flows with milk and honey, and I'm going to bring you in, and I'm giving it to you. And they, they despised that, and they might as well have said, no, it ain't true, it's not happening, no way. They might as well say either God can't do it, or he's a liar. There's a lot more involved here than just pitiful ones having trouble believing. There's an evilness to it, a choice to rebel and to despise. We'll come back to that, but notice, somebody say, we are not not. (laughs) of them that draw back. Okay, okay. They said, nevertheless, the people there are strong and the cities are walled, very great. We saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land in the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb had to hush them. He had to get up and interrupt them and steal them. Why? We talked about this last night. David is such a wonderful example of faith as a young boy facing down Goliath. And we saw that he referred to the problem differently than everybody else. They talked about how big Goliath was, how big his spear was, how big his shield was, how he'd been fighting and killing men since he was a boy, how that nobody could take him on and on. David would not do that. When he referred to him, he referred to him as an uncircumcised Philistine, which meant no covenant, nobody. Oh, friends, listen here, listen here. Never despise your God. Despise your enemy. Despise the devil and glorify your God. That should be so obvious, but millions are missing it right here, right here. They magnify the problem. They magnify the devil. 
People talk about, oh, oh, the devil's doing this, and, oh, the devil's doing that, and he's so awful, and he's so terrible, and, and how bad the disease is. People try to impress you with how bad their problem is, and then they'll get mad if you don't agree with it. I know I had the privilege of working at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry for a number of years in the healing school, and I learned that as a young minister. People would come in, and they'd start telling me about their problem. And three minutes to turn into five and ten, fifteen. Now they're telling me, just, I mean, and what they don't realize, they're trying to convince me how awful this is not your ordinary disease. <laughs> I'm not sick, I'm, I'm really sick. <laughs> this is not, you know. And in my ignorance, I just go, oh, well, it's all uh, laid on Jesus. By his stripes you're healed. Made them mad. I could tell they'd kind of lean back in the chair like, you're not taking me seriously. I want to say, you're not taking by his stripes you're healed seriously. People will try to do that with their sin. I've had people look at me and say, yeah, but preacher, you don't know what I've done. I said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. Because they're magnifying the enemy, the devil, above God. I know that sounds ridiculous that people would do it, but is that what these guys did? They've got the Almighty on their side. It is so obvious He's on their side. Like in pillar of fire, obvious? Water coming out of the rock, obvious? I mean... God is there with them. I mean, you might as well put a sign across the sky and go, these are my people right here. Me and them, us. And if I say it's their land, it's their land. Move aside. But they, come on, listen, saints. They went over there. They saw the giants. They saw the walls. And in about an hour or two, they forgot every miracle they had seen in Egypt. They forgot all the daily provision. They forgot they forgot the good word God had told them and just wanted everything God had said and done up and threw it in the trash can and said, that ain't worth anything. This is what it is. Giants and walls. And that's all it is. You can't tell us any different. I know that may sound like a simplification, but what happened? What happened? And I know it's not reasonable that anybody would do that. But the thing is, spiritual forces are at work. People think, well, how could anybody be so stupid? There's spiritual help to be stupid. It's demonically enhanced stupidity. (laughs) Supernaturally dumb. (laughs) But now on the other hand, there is supernaturally smart. Supernaturally enlightened. Right? It depends on what you yield to. I said it depends on what you yield to. Thank you, Lord. We're getting there. He said, 
You know, they, they, they said, yeah, it's got milk and honey, it's got big grapes, but where are they going to spend their time? Not on what God said, not on the good, on the bad, yes. on the bad report. They said, the people, you never seen people like this. I mean, they're giants. They're just huge. They're monsters. And you ought to see their chariots. And you ought to see the walls, the walls. I couldn't hardly see the top of one of them. And they look down on us like we're little grasshoppers, little bugs. They just step on us and just keep going. We saw them. Anakites, Amalekites, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, Canaanites. Yeah, but are ites bigger than God? Are they? Are they? Should we talk more about the ites than God? They did. Caleb got up and said, hush, hush, hush. That's enough about the ites. That's enough. He said, let's go now. Let's go today. Let's go up right now and take it. Let's go take it. Let's go possess it because we can. We can do it. We are able. We are well able. No, y'all didn't hear me. Y'all didn't hear me. See, he didn't just get up there and, and give him a little pep talk. This man is full of faith. Enough faith to sustain you in the middle of this unbelieving bunch in the desert for four decades and still come out and say, give me that mountain. And he was preaching with real God kind of wall breaking nation moving faith. You believe it? Devil scaring faith. He said, we can do this. Are you listening to me, people? We are here. We are. Come on, look around. No chains. No chains. We are slaves no more. We got money. We're healed. We're strong. We're here. We're here. There it is. We're here. There it is. Let's go. Let's go get it now. Let's go get it right now. Right now. Right now. Now, friend, there there is a lot here. But you know, so many times people have missed it by procrastinating. When God speaks to you and faith comes by hearing what he said and you're there and the opportunity and everything's in place, it is not time to say, let me go pray about it. What you're doing is giving the devil an opportunity to talk you out of it. Oftentimes, meetings like this, times of prayer and in the word, other times, you're more in the spirit than you realize you are. You don't have to be caught up in a trance to be in the spirit. You're more in the spirit. What does that mean? You're more aware of spiritual things than you are natural things. And that's when you want to receive. That's when you want to do what God's dealing with you to do. Because later on, for lack of a better phrase, you can cool off. 
and get over in the flesh more and get more in your head. That's why he said he knows by the spirit of God. He knows, hey, it's time. The iron's hot. The sun's shining. Here we are. Let's do it now. 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 You do understand, this is one of the devil's biggest techniques. If he sees you're getting out of hand with him, and you're about to just go ahead and obey God and do everything, his last tactic, his fallback position is go, well, okay, okay, all right, we're going to do it, but just not right now. Not right now. Not not today. Not, not right now. And he said the men... They went up with him though, verse 31. They said, we are not able to go up against the people. They flatly contradicted him. And they said, we cannot do it. He said, we can do it. They said, we can't. We can do it. They said, we can't. I can be healed. He's too far gone. We can have a new building. It's too much money. We can make it. It's too late. Too much has happened. Friend, recognize the spirit of unbelief. Recognize the spirit of faith. What scripture says you can't? Huh? I know one that says you can. Right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, you need to say it again. I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. Man, that ought to be so much a part of your makeup that anything that comes and says you can't, before they can finish the can't, you're coming up with, I can do all things. It's not whether I can or not. It's just a matter of am I supposed to. But if I'm supposed to, they don't need to think about it. I can through him by faith. I can. I can. Now, Caleb said, we are able, we are well able. What'd they say? We are not able. We are not able. And they mourned. They said the people stronger. They brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched to the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants. And all the people we saw are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, sons of Anak, and come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. They slandered God's good land. They despised the gift of God to their people. They, they despised what God had done. One of the, Phyllis and I have talked about this before. Again and again, in seeing somebody get off and miss God and wind up out of the will of God in all kind of problems, you back up to where it first starts. I want to know where it first starts. And one of the very first little things where the enemy gets them to start to go out is unthankfulness. Unthankfulness. And the next step is Feeling sorry for yourself. Feeling entitled. And then getting bitter. An old friend. That's exactly what happened to Judas. And it's happened to to too many. 
And what, it's much more serious than people have thought for because you're despising and treating as nothing and insignificant where you are, what God's done for you, what you're being used in, what you're a part of. Oh, friend, when you know the truth, every day you get up thanking God, thanking God, thanking God. I get to live in this generation. I get to know faith people. I get to live with God. I get to be a part of this. I get to be involved in this. I get to. I get to. Not I have to. I get to. And they brought up an evil report. They slandered and despised what God had given them. God says, I mean, you can hear the excitement in God's voice when he's talking about the land that flows with milk and honey. God's a lot like us. If we're made in his likeness and image, we have to be a lot like him. If he's a lot like us, he has to be something like us if we're like him. And it's surprising, the further I go, it's surprising to me some of the things that I see in him and I go, man, that's human-like. And he said, no, you're God-like. Hallelujah. But God's excited about this. He's bringing his people out. He don't care what anybody says. Oh, you got snake gods. Watch this snake god. You got sun gods. How about this? Frog gods. Watch this frog god. He brought them out, man. I mean, with a strong arm. And there was nobody on the planet that didn't know something happened major over in Egypt. But that was not the whole deal. How many know that was part one? Get them out. What's part two? Get them in. He's excited. He said, I have found the land. I have chosen this. Out of all lands, I've chosen it for you. I've pre- he prepared it for you. Hebrews says from the foundation of the world. He'd been looking forward to this for a long time. Did the Lord get angry over this deal? He got very angry. Is he always justified? If he he gets angry, there's a reason why. He does not fly off the handle. He doesn't have a short fuse. Are you kidding me? His mercy endures forever. If he gets angry, there is substantial reason why. And they slandered his gift. And after seeing him move like this month after month, they stood up there and said he couldn't do it. And he said, how long will it be before this bunch believes me? How many miracles do they have to see? How many signs? How many wonders? They've seen things no previous people have ever seen in the history of the planet. And nothing's enough. Nothing's enough. No matter how many miracles, nothing's enough. Nothing's enough. Every time some little challenge comes up, we are going to die out here. We can't do it. It's not going to work. Not going to work. And that's what they're saying in the next verse there. They murmured. Well, first of all, they cried all night. And then they griped and they complained against Moses. They blamed it on Moses and Aaron. 
instead of taking responsibility for themselves. They said, we wish you just died in Egypt. I wish we'd have died in this wilderness. And they said, verse 4, let us make a captain and let's go see if we can get our old job back. Huh? Go back to Egypt. That's what we're talking about, supernaturally dumb. I mean, there's no way this calculates and figures. But they said, let's go back. And Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb knew this was serious. Them doing this would provoke the Lord. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. They, they tore their clothes and they spoke to the company. They said, the land that we went through to search it, it's an exceeding good land. You saw it. You saw it. And if the Lord delight in us, he will bring us into this land. And he'll give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. Now there is the core. How did all this start? He said, don't fear. Why? Because God has always said this. God started out saying this to them. He said it to them before, during, and after this. He Then he said it to Joshua and the following generation and all through the word. Anybody ever read in the scripture, fear not, neither be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. He will not fail you. Say it out loud. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Fear is one of the most dangerous things on the planet. Fear can prevent the plan of God unfolding for individuals. Fear can interrupt miracles in progress and stop them. Now, I'm not just saying this off the top of my head. I'm going to show you scriptures. Show you the word. And folks have read, fear not, fear not, fear not, and they haven't heard it right. They've heard it like a little pep talk. Y'all don't be scared now. Okay. I know you probably will be, but bless your heart. Try. Try not to be too scared. I've seen on church signs out on the highway, a little fear is good. That's how ignorant so much of the church is. You know why the Lord keeps saying, fear not, fear not, fear not? Because it's one of the few things that can stop what he wants to do for you. I know some folks don't like that. They say, well, God is God. He can do anything he wants to do. He can. And in his sovereignty and wisdom, he has set it up so that you have to live by faith. And allowed us to choose. And if you choose to fear. You will get a different outcome. Than if you choose to believe and obey. That's right. True or not? Yes. Hold your place here. And go to Matthew please. Matthew 14. Matthew 14. 
Verse 22, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship, go to the other side. Jesus' directives are authorizations. And his commands are enablings. When the Lord tells you to go do something, you have just been authorized to do it by the greatest authority in the universe. There is none higher. And with the authorization, it's understood that all the resources to accomplish it are allocated at that time. I don't think I've ever said that before. Glory to God. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. When the Lord directs you to do something, what just happened? You have been authorized by the head of the church. And his commands are also enablings, empowerments to do it. He told them to do what? He told them to do what? Get into the ship and go ahead of him about halfway and drown. Huh? Uh, No. If he said that, that could concern you. But he said, go to the other side. And then he sent the multitudes away. Now friend, when the Lord tells you something, there's no word of the Lord void of power. Where the word of the king is, there is power and authority. And you can trust your life on it. You can lean your whole being, your family, your ministry, your job, your money. You can just rest on it. And if you will, no matter what comes up next, it won't move you. Paul made a statement. Encountering a lot of challenges and difficulties. He said, none of these things move me. How could he be so strong? Examples are like when he was in the ship during the hurricane, the typhoon, and and cast on the island and snake bit and everything else. How could he just shake that snake off? How could he be so strong? He has heard from the head of the church that you must appear for me at Rome. And you must speak for me there. So he knows. No way, no how. I'm dying out here. I'm on a mission. I cannot die. Ain't enough demons. Ain't enough storms. Ain't enough snakes. Why? I've heard from the Lord. I'm preaching at Rome. And so I am unkillable. I am unstoppable between here and Rome. Oh, are y'all with me, saints? When the Lord tells you something, does it mean anything? See, it has not meant enough to so many of his people. All of us have not 
respected his word at times like we should have. The Lord give people the word and they'll go, okay, I'm going to pray about that. And uh, we'll see what we see. And, and really it's just like it was a nice suggestion or uh, no friend you're hearing from the creator of the universe. You're hearing from the risen Christ. You're hearing from the head of the church. His word means something. It means everything. And when you've got that Nothing matters. Nothing else. I don't care what people, what it looks like or feels like. Let's go back to our example of what not to do. What could they have done, those ten spies, when they saw the giants, when they saw the walls? What could they have said? Them some big boys. Those are some sizable walls. But you know, that don't make any difference. The Lord told us. That makes zero difference. Because I reckon he knew they were here before we got here. And he, he told us anyway. Right? And I guess he knew what he was doing when he told us that. And so it doesn't matter how big they are. Because if he says it's mine, it's mine. It doesn't matter how bad it feels. If he says I'm healed, I'm healed. It doesn't matter how incurable it's supposed to be. How impossibly terminal it is. If he says I'm healed. If he says with long life he satisfies me. I know uh, one of my first things I did ministry wise in the area of healing. Was I don't know a few years before we ever got to Raymond. I think Phyllis and I hadn't even been married yet I guess. Uh, And uh, Sister Luna Kay in the church was pronounced terminal. Had been in the hospital for a long time and got worse and worse and worse and was bedfast, expected to die. She was a wonderful saint. She'd get up and testify in the church and something just go out over the crowd. I mean, make you want to shout and go hallelujah. Been a believer, strong believer. When other people quit and did all this stuff, she right there rock solid and believe God and pray and I just found out, actually listening to some of Brother Copeland's tapes, that I had been redeemed from the curse of the law. And I was some kind of excited. And they said Sister Luna Kay had to die immediately. And uh, I thought, she's got to hear this. She needs to know this. And I went and and she's glad to see me. And, and I said, can I read a scripture to you? And she said, yeah. And so I read some. and I read about being redeemed. And I said, isn't that wonderful? And she said, I thought, it's wonderful. And I could tell no connection much, no excitement. I came back the next day and I told her about by stripes we've been healed. And about the same thing, not much excitement. She said, yeah, but the doctor said and so and so and what have you. I've had a good life. I came back day after day, day after day. I don't know how many days. And I came back, and she was so kind, and she loved the Lord and loved the Word. So, yeah, you want to read a scripture? Read it on, Sonny. And so uh, I read the 91st Psalm, and I got to the point where it said, With long life, I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. And I said, uh, Are you sure? 
you've done everything that you need to do, want to do. I said, we miss you at the church. I said, you know, us young people need you and need folks like you that know things about the Lord. She said, I'd like to be back in church. I said, it's there right here with long life. I'll satisfy you. She said, you know, it did. And I thought, uh-huh. It's like getting a bite on the end of your line. You think, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So then it was nothing but Psalm 91, 16, morning, noon, and night. From then on, I said, no need to mess with anything else. And I'd come back and I'd say, I want to read that same one. She said, yeah, read it again. And so I said, are you sure? And I mean, I'd get right up close to her. I said, are you sure? You've done everything that you got in your heart to do and you want to do. I said, man, we'd like to see you back at the church. She said, I'd like to be back in the church. I said, so maybe you're not quite satisfied. (laughs) And I'm telling you, she started getting better. She started getting better. And she got better and better and better and came home and stood up in the church and testified and lived for some length of time. But what I'm saying is there was something that connected her soul to the future. It was stronger than cancer. It was stronger than death. It was stronger than old age. It was stronger than religion. It's the word of the living God that brings faith inside of us when we hear it. So there's other things she didn't hear, but she heard that. And faith came. Said out loud, the Lord's commands are enablings, empowerments. If he says, go to Branson and start a church, you're not supposed to say, wonder if I can. I don't see how. How much will it cost? We don't know. If you respect him enough, you start smiling and thanking God because you just received in that one, that one phrase, go do it. He's the king of kings. And in that one word, you just received the highest authorization in the universe. You just received all the support, all the partners, all the money, all the wisdom, all the healing, everything you will ever need in that one phrase. Do you believe it, saints? Why? Because he told you to do it. Because he told you to do it. But if you walk by sight and you yield to a wrong spirit of unbelief and fear, you'll start looking at all the reasons why you can't and what it's going to take. And I don't know if I can and I don't know if I'm smart enough or I'm strong enough. I don't know if I can be a pastor. I don't know if this, I don't know if that. That's insulting. That's not realizing what you just received. Said out loud, his commands. His commands. Or authorizations. His commands are empowerments, enablements. Glory to God. When He says, Be blessed, you don't even ask Him how much or 
That's everything you need is right there. Come on, keep reading here. What do you say? Go to the other side. Was that enough to get them to the other side? More than enough. And so he comes walking on the water, you know, to them later and there's a storm and they cried out for what? Fear. And Jesus said, be of good cheer. It's me. Don't be afraid. If it didn't matter whether you're afraid or not, the Lord wouldn't be saying all the time, don't be afraid. And did you know he actually expects us to do it when he says, don't be afraid? He actually expects you to immediately stop being afraid. That's what he expects. Be of good cheer. Cheer up. It's me. It's us. Happy times. Out on the sea at midnight. It's party time. It's me. No need to be afraid. Verse 28. Peter said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you on the water. What happened? What happened? Jesus said, what? Huh? No praying. No Chaldean definitions. Uh, Just what? Come. No, did you hear that word? Did you hear that word? Come. What's in that word? In that one C-O-M-E. In that C-O-M-E is the authorization from the creator of the universe to defy the natural laws. To walk on H2O, which is not possible in normal operating laws of nature. But when the head of the church, when the creator says, come... That's all out the window. You are now authorized to do it. What if it requires the sun to stand still? So now Peter is authorized to do something that men cannot do. What else is it? He is enabled. He's authorized and he's enabled to do what is considered impossible and so he steps out on the water and it holds him up somehow and he does not sink and he is going and can you imagine how he feels (laughs) out here in the middle of the night with the wind blowing and all this kind of stuff going and he's looking at Jesus and as far as he knows Him and Jesus right now are the only two human beings in the world that have ever stood on the H2O. Wonder how he felt. What kind of experience would this be? Jesus' hair is blowing back. His eyes, he's smiling at Peter going, that's my boy, come on. Come over here. Peter's going, ooh. Well, the guys are going to talk tomorrow, man. (laughs) And it was going so good. And then what happened? And then what happened? He saw the wind and what? And what? He was 
afraid. This phrase doesn't carry the significance to most people it should. He was afraid is a terrible phrase. People think it's normal and natural to fear much of the time. It's just part of being human. It's part of the human experience. We all get afraid sometimes. Preachers say it from the pulpits. Well, we all get scared sometimes. It's just natural. It's just normal. You know, the Lord will help you. We all get scared. For the child of God, it is a direct ignoring of scores of commands in the Holy Writ. One of the single most significant things that the Lord, from Genesis to Revelation, keeps telling us, commanding us, right? Some of the modern translations really go offline on some of these things. Some of them will say, try not to be afraid. The Lord never told you to try anything. He knew before he told you what you could do and what you couldn't. When he tells you to do it, his word, if you couldn't do it before he told you, the moment he told you, now you can. Because his word is authorization and empowerment and enablement. Just saying, come, authorizes, empowers immediately. And he steps out of the boat and he's doing it. He began to sink and he cried saying, Lord, save me. And uh, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, not bad for your first try. <laughs> uh-uh. The master's not happy about this. Fear is not a laughing matter. It is not a joking matter. It's very serious with the Lord. We all know that a man or woman that get full of faith and will step out in that faith. We know just like the man stretching out his hand. The miracle working power of God will come on the scene. And do amazing things when people step out in faith. But what many have not understood is if you step out in fear. Demonic power will manifest. Destructive power has a right to manifest in your life. Why else does the Lord keep saying, don't be afraid? Don't be afraid. What happened right here? Peter's walking on the water. Did his getting in fear interrupt a miracle in progress? Yes, 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 yes. Was it the will of God? Was it the will of Jesus that the miracle be interrupted? That Peter begin to sink and, and fail to accomplish what he was doing there? No. No. So fear caused the perfect will of Jesus not to be done. His will was for him to come all the way. Let's join arms. Let's get in the boat. Let's all go have fun. That's why he said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You were already doing it. You were doing so good. What's the question? Why did you doubt? Why? Because there is no acceptable answer to that. You can't say, well, I, I didn't know if it was all right. I didn't know. No, you, you're doing it. You're experiencing it. But the reason why fear is such an issue is because the devil, his 
evil spirits, demons, are actively working in the earth to influence humans to fear. Night and day. People are bombarded with sights, sounds, thoughts, feelings, and all of it's designed to get you to grip and fear everything from mild dread to full-blown mindless panic. And everything in between, it's the same devilish stuff. And we got no business with it. I said, we got no business with it. It's been robbing and stealing. It stole the plan of God in the promised land from these people. It stole the completion of Peter's miracle. Wonder anybody else it's ever stolen from. We must not fear. We must stop being afraid. Look with me in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. My, my, my. This is big. Ephesians 4 and 27. Anybody know what it says? Ephesians 4, 27 says what? Neither give place place to the devil. Say it out loud. Neither Neither give place place to to the devil. Look at the Amplified on this. Put that up for us, please. Leave no room or foothold for the devil. Give him what? How much room is acceptable? How much fear? If there's fear in you, there's room in you. If there's fear in us, the devil has a place in us. He has a hook. He has something to attach. That's why Verse after verse after verse after verse. I know you know it, but you need to hear it again. God told Abraham, fear not. I am your shield and exceeding great reward. God told Hagar, fear not. I've heard you. He told Isaac, fear not. I am with you. He told Moses, fear not. He told, not just a couple of times, scores of times. He said, Joshua, fear not. Be of good courage. Be strong. He told Daniel, fear not. Zacharias, Mary, the shepherds, Joseph, Peter, James, John, Jairus, Paul. Fear not. Fear not. I got a lot of people in this town. He told Paul, preach, be bold. Fear not. Why does he keep saying it? See, the devil has blinded the world of the significance of this command. And instead of a command to be obeyed, people have taken it as a suggestion to aspire to kind of a little pep talk. But it's not. It is not. It is forbidding something that can stop the plan. Forbidding something that can interrupt a miracle. That can stop what God is doing. Once you said out loud, we are not, we are not of those who draw back. Who draw back. Why would you draw back? Fear. Afraid. 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 Thank you, Lord. 
I want to share something with you right now. Brother Hagen talked in detail about how he had fears and problems in his life and how he overcame them and how the head of the church taught him personally how to do it. And that belongs to all of us, right? But I didn't want to try to share it. I wanted him to tell it personally. And with video, we can do that now. So show it. And don't think, well, I've heard all this before. No, friend, this is very significant. And I believe you will see and hear things you've not seen and heard before. I know it working with Brother Hagen there at the healing school, I mean, for 20 years. And after 10 years, part of my job was to edit and monitor some of the video and stuff. And sometimes I'd be sitting there, and this was back when the cassette tapes were that big, video. And I'd be watching and he'd be preaching on something, I'd think, glory to God. I never saw that before. That is outstanding. And then they'd turn over, and there I am on the front row. And I thought, no way. I never heard that before. But because I had grown some, I could hear differently. And I'm hearing things I hadn't heard before. That's happening right now. Right now, tonight. Go ahead and show it. I remember that when I was a little kid, that our house caught on fire and burned up. Actually, in the nighttime. Now, actually, this house belonged, it was out on the farm, it belonged to my grandfather, the, the, the farm belonged to him. We were living there. And uh, we woke up in the night. I, I remember waking up, you see, because there I was, a little fellow, about uh, between three and three and a half years old, you see, and, and my brother Dub, two years old, and I, and we were sleeping on a pallet just on the floor, you know. I mean, it's, it's hot summertime, the, the doors and windows are all open, you know. And this was before my youngest brother, Pat, was ever born. And then my sister, who was about six, seven years old, see, we were on the floor. My sister was on the bed there in the same room, and in the other room there, uh, my mother and daddy, you see. Well, I woke up, you see, and, 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 and the whole scene was falling in on us. Well, you see, he in this other bedroom, he woke up, and they, they run out of the window on the other side, and he ran around this way and reached in through the window. And, and, and pulled the pallet over there and got us, you see. And pulled us out through that one and got my sister. And then he reached in there and, and, and of course it fell in just after he pulled us out. It wasn't a few seconds till the whole thing fell right in. He reached just inside the window and got a trunk. That's all he saved. You see. Well, as a little kid, by the way, your house falling on fire, you see. That, that, now you'll have that to deal with, you see. Because you'll wake up in the nighttime sometimes and look like the house on fire. You know, after you started preaching, you're, you're away from the postage and you start back home and you turn the corner and start down toward the postage and suddenly you got a flash, you see the house on fire. Well, well, how do you overcome that? You don't accept it. You see, the fear of fire is there. You know, your, 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 your house may call a postage, may caught on fire and burned up while you was gone. You stand against that. And if you keep standing against fear and thing, after a while it'll leave you and it won't ever bother you anymore. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Are you listening to me? See, what happened is, folks are looking for instant pudding. God don't have any. I said God doesn't have any. Amen. Folks are looking for a J.C. Penny 99 cent sale. God doesn't have any. 
touch you, they want something to happen right now. And I'm delivered. That's it. I'm free forever. Never have any more trouble with the devil. It don't work like that. I said, it don't work like that. I said, it don't work like that. I said, it don't work like that. The devil will come back. I said, the devil will come back. Jesus himself said in the 12th chapter of Matthew, when the unclean spirit's gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. He said, I'll go back in the house I came out of. He'll be back. I said, he'll be back. Amen. What's he going to do when he comes back? Well, he found the house empty, swept, and garnished. It's clean, Amen. empty, swept, and garnished. It was clean, but empty. See, that's the reason you need to get full of God, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of the Word of God, so when he comes back, bless God, you can put him on the run. Amen. Amen. Are you listening to me? So you say, no, the house is not on fire. The house won't be burned up. Bless God. Amen. You don't talk about it. You don't go tell people about it. Then my poor old mother, bless her darling heart. See, there she was, 30 years old, left with four children. The oldest in 10, the youngest in six months. Well, she never worked. She's a housewife. But she got a job to go to work to try to make a living for four kids. Well, it's six years old, between six and seven, you see. You can... Remember much better than you could at three and four. Until she had a complete mental, nervous, and physical breakdown. And lost her mind. And you don't forget that. And there she was, you see. We had to go then. The family's broken up. Some live one place, some live another place. We the youngest one. Me and my brother, you see, were the youngest, the youngest brother. And so we live with my, her mother and daddy, my maternal grandparents, you see. Well, you had to watch her. In those days, you know, we didn't have washing machines. So I'm talking about 1923 now. You don't have electric dryers. You hang the clothes out on the line to dry. You wash over a rub board. And so granny would go to hang the clothes out on the line. And she had positioned me at the kitchen door, six years old. Now, son, you stand here and watch your mother. Don't let her in the kitchen. Because she, she tried to get to the kitchen, get the butcher knife or a sharp knife and cut her throat, kill herself. Now, if you don't think that'll make an impression on you, a little six-year-old mind, you got to stand there in the door. Well, you couldn't have stopped her from coming. She's a grown woman. You're a six-year-old kid. But I could run out of hollering, granny, 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 and she'd come a-running, just drop the clothes and come a-running, you see, and get a hold of her. Because her mind's not right. Don't misunderstand me. It got all right. She lived to be 80 before went home with, to be with Jesus. But, but her mind's not right. Well, you see, a six-year-old, you think about that. I grew up with my mind all warped. And I got this statement that when I was 15 years old, Dr. W.R. Mathis still have it. Not only does he talk about the, the heart condition you see I was born with, but he said, I needed institutional care. I needed to be an institution mentally. See, you think you were having a problem mentally. You, you've never been off that. They're just about to send you to an institution, have you? Amen. I said, have you? Amen. Needs institutional care. But it wasn't a year to the same doctor. He and Dr. Robinson said, that young man's got the strongest mind of any person I've ever seen. <laughs> it wasn't many months ago. I've got his statement. Notarized statement that he needs institutional care. And now then, ten months later, they're saying, that's the strongest minded young man I've ever seen in my life. 
What made the difference? The Word of God. The Word of God. I said the Word of God. The Word of God made the difference. One thing about it, I couldn't find anybody else to do it for me. I had to do it for myself. <laughs> Amen. And that's the best. So what I started to tell you was, you know, sometimes a little side journey helps as much as anything. You get as much out of that as you do anything else. That's what I tell you was, that I'm preaching divine healing. But, but some way or another, because that's put into the kids, because of those problems, because of those experiences, which I can tell you many, you know, but we're not magnifying that, desperate situations in connection with my mother. And so when I came up to those mental patients, I was afraid. I'll be honest with you. That fear was there. Boy, I didn't want to have anything to do with them. You, you draw back. That fear is still there. You've been saved, baptized, Holy Ghost, and preaching. You've been preaching for 20 years. You've been ministering to the sick, so many people healed. But that fear is there. You know? Can you understand that? Can you understand that? How are you going to deal with it? With the Word. With the Word. It's the only solution. But one thing that helped me on these certain cases that I was afraid of, I'll be honest with you. The Lord said to me one day, you're not going to do it. Now, for instance, he said, you may come in home and say, well, I opened the door. I unlocked the door. He said, really, you didn't? If you hadn't had the key, you couldn't unlock it. Or you may go to get in your car and say, well, I unlocked the door. Well, he said, really, you didn't. You was involved with it, but if you hadn't had the key that fit that door, you wouldn't have unlocked it. You're not going to... See, Peter said, well, look on us by our own power holiness. It wasn't our power. It wasn't our holiness. We've got a key. <laughs> it's the name. That's what Jesus said to me. He said, it's the key that undoes the door. It's the key that unlocks the door. Not you, though you use it. If you didn't have the key, you couldn't unlock the door. Amen. Amen. It's the key. And he said, the key is my name. You know what? Just as soon as I found out that I've never had that fear again, it left me right then. See, you'll know the truth. You'll know the truth. You'll know what? The truth. And what will happen? The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. You want to be set free? Amen. Find out the truth. Just as soon as you know the truth, you're set free. Well, somebody said, I've heard that before. Well, did it set you free? No. Well, it's the truth, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you see, you can say, well, that's the key. I see it. I saw that. But that won't unlock anything for you as long as I've got it. See, when you really know, you've got to know. I said, you've got to know. Amen. And when you know, on the inside of you, you know. Well, it don't make any difference what the devil says. It don't make any difference what people say. I mean, the devil and everybody you meet could, <laughs> could snigger and laugh. And it wouldn't bother you. You'd just look them right in the face and say, I know that I know. Amen. 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 I, I've even called the devil to record any number of times. I said, come here, devil. Used to, I'd run from him, see. But now I'm going out looking for him. Where is he? Where is he? Going out looking for him. In case you can't read, I'm going to read this to you. Mr. Devil, just come here and look right here. See that? Praise God. Now, you know, every time I've done that, when I looked up, he's gone. Yeah, he left. He left. 
See, I knew the truth. The truth set me free. Hallelujah. The name. The name. The name. The name's the key. The name's the key. In my name, they'll cast out devils. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Glory to God. Glory to God. Peter said, in the name. What did it? Why look on us? Why look on us? By our own power of holiness, we'd made this man to walk. The name. The name did it. The name. The name. Through faith in his name. Oh, glory to God. I don't know about you, but it preach me happy. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. His name. Say it out loud. His name. His name. His name. The name. The name. The name. The name of Jesus. In that name. There is healing. There is deliverance. There is victory. There's everything I need. My faith is in the name. The name is the key that unlocks the door to deliverance, to victory, to healing, glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Lift your hands and praise him. Praise God forevermore. But <laughs> blessed be the name. 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 Glory to the name. Glory to the name. Glory to the name. Glory to the name. The name. The name. The name. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well. That fear left me. What, what caused it to leave? The truth. Knowing the truth. Knowing the truth. See, not just the truth. Of course the truth's involved. Not just the truth, but knowing the truth. See, ye shall know the truth. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, the truth will, will not set you free till you know it. Hallelujah. So it set me free. I mean, I was immediately. I mean, that just left me. Just like something lifted away from me and off of me. It left me. I can remember, to see, they said, well, you know, doctor said, that fellow's got, that young man's got the strongest mind. Then I was healed. Well, I knew no, I had nobody to stand with me and talk to me. Just 17-year-old boy. And so, a short time afterwards that I was healed, raised up, I was walking down the street in my hometown. In fact, we went down the street the other day. We was there the other day. Walking down South Binge Street. Well, I'd been down that street. I started to say hundreds, but really thousands of times. We walked everywhere we went in those days. And you know, something suddenly came down on me. It's Wes, I know how to describe it. Just like a something, it's like a big black something came down. And all the houses took on a different look. I didn't know where I was. I did not know where I was. Every house looked strange. I, I, I felt like just running and screaming and pulling my hair. And something said, now you're going to wind up down there in Terrell, you know, that's just east of Dallas. Terrell is a state institution down there. That's where you're going to wind up. Now, see, I'm Baptist boy. I don't know about the Baptist and the Holy Ghost. I've just got a little bit of light. I don't have any single person I can talk to. i got to do it alone or else it's not done. But thank God I got a hold of enough word. Oh, I, it's hard for me to describe how you felt when that come on you. You don't know where you are. 
Every house looks strange. Looks like you've never been there before. You don't know who you are. You don't know where you are. But I said, oh, no, you don't, Mr. Devil. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank God for that name. In the name of Jesus, you leave me. But that thing left me. I knew it was right there. It was within three feet of me. I couldn't see it, but it's just as real in the spirit realm as that piano is in the natural realm. And then the houses took on the right kind of look. And I said, now you just go right on now and leave me alone in the name of Jesus. And the thing backed off. In fact, it got far enough away until it never bothered me. So I walked on down the street a few, few feet, you know, and got my mind off on something else and off the Lord. And here it come right down. Just like suddenly he's walking down the street and something just a sack just dropped down over your head. You didn't know where you were. You didn't know who you were. I mean, every house looked different. Took on a funny look. Seemed like your hair stood straight up on top of your head. You wanted to start running down the street and screaming and pulling your hair. And if you had, you'd been completely gone. Something said you're going to wind up in terror. And again, I said, oh, no, you don't, Mr. Devil. No, you don't. And you left. I had that same experience three times. After the third time, never came back. So after I was set free, then it didn't bother me to deal with any case. Since then, we've dealt with seven people right out of the asylum. I mean, the doctor said they'll never be any better. Six out of the seven were delivered. I, I, I don't know. I, I really think the seventh one, I just haven't heard. See, a lot of times people don't write you and tell you, but I believe they were delivered. Praise God. I said, praise God. Send up everybody. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus, you see, stands for the person of Jesus. The name of Jesus is just as powerful as the person Jesus. The name of Jesus can do everything that the person Jesus did when he was here. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. 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 Now, quit entertaining those thoughts. You don't have to. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. I know I've been there. I've had more than one pity party, not in the last 50 years, but before then. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit pitying yourself. As long as you're in your right mind, poor dear people that's gone, off mentally, their mind's completely taken over, they can't do, then you'll have to act for them. But you can't act for somebody that can act for themselves. You can act with them, but not for them. You can help them to act. Amen. Quit thinking, well, I'm the only person that ever had this. No, you're not. That's the reason I went into some detail about myself. Some of the rest of us have been there. You know, nobody ever had this kind of a trial. Yes, they have. I said, yes, they have. Amen. Amen. And thank God Jesus is just the same today, and his name's the same. Now, quit thinking those thoughts. You don't have to think them. Yes, you get, it'll take a little while for you to practice it, but begin to practice thinking after God and His thoughts and His Word. Hallelujah. And your whole life will take on a new newness and a glow, praise God, that you didn't have before. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, just lift up your hands. Lord, we worship you. Thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God.
Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's something the Lord's been dealing with me about. 20 years into the ministry, he said he had these fears. Did y'all hear that? He'd been in the ministry 20 years. And those fears were there. Is that a problem? It's a huge problem. It makes you subject to bondage. It makes you vulnerable, attackable, hurtable. And in, in so-called word and faith circles, we've learned how to talk right. And a lot of folks have gotten good at hiding their fears. They're there, but they know how to talk. That's not good enough. It's, and it does, and that's why things don't work. Things don't work. Things seem to stay the same, stay the same. And sometimes people say, "Well, I, I said it in the name of Jesus." Yeah, but did you say it in faith? Makes all the difference in the world. Remember him saying, "You'll know the truth." There's a revelation, and there's an anointing, and uh, it's not enough to hide your fears. Uh, spouses. Hide their fears from each other. Children hide, and parents hide their fears from each other. It's not okay to hide it and cover it up. We can be free. We can be completely free of these things. Do you believe it, saints? He said, the Lord told him, it's the key. What's the key? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? The key is the name, it is the authority. And power in the name of Jesus. The Lord has given him. God has given him a name. That is above every name. That is named. Not only in this world. But in heaven. Here. Below. In the world to come. No matter what you've been afraid of. It's got a name. But it, that name of Jesus is above that. Do you believe it? The Lord is helping us this week. Spiritual influences are real. People have tried to ignore them and act like they don't exist. They're real. And one reason why people don't talk about them is they're scared of them. And I'm so excited because just in the last couple of months, the Lord has allowed me to see some of these demons and stuff for what they really are. And they're nothing. They are nothing. They are stripped, brought to naught, defeated. For us to be afraid of them is ridiculous. But if you don't deal with them, You pretend like it's not there. You pretend like you're not scared. You pretend like then the problem moves in. And you give it place and it takes up residency with you. And it's not going to leave until you drive it out in Jesus name. And I want you to believe with me. Tomorrow night and the next We're going to look in the word at the authority in the name of Jesus. It is going to rise up in us. And by the anointing, we're going to speak to it. And it's going to get. Do you believe it? The Bible said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do you believe it, saints? Oh, come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Say it out loud, Father God. Father God. 
Help me to see any fear I've been yielding to a long time or recently. I acknowledge none of it, not any of it, is acceptable. I set myself to resist it completely and not give in. Open my eyes. Open my ears. Show me what it is. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Show me what it is and quicken me how to deal with it in your holy name. That name above all names, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Lord reminded me of something right there. Close your eyes. We should release our faith. Well, you can open your eyes for a moment. The scripture says we are to covet earnestly the best gifts. Now, the Lord, all every believer has authority over all the power of the devil and every disease. But God has given us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Mighty weapons. In addition to things like special faith, things like discerning of spirits. Do you crave these things? You should crave these things. The Lord can open eyes. He can let us see. He can quicken us and anoint us to say and do some things. Sit out loud. Close your eyes. Sit out loud. Lord, we covet the gifts of your spirit. We earnestly, we greatly desire the word of knowledge word of wisdom discerning of spirits gifts of healings special faith workings of miracles tongues and interpretation prophecy we hunger for them more than any car or house or clothes or money our hobby, our sport. We crave these things. We hunger for them. And we ask you for them. And we thank you for them. In Jesus' holy name. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.